Today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Pastor asked me to do so. And I'm a bit more of a teacher than a preacher, so uh, uh, I don't know if that means hang on to your hat or put your hat next to you either way. I'm not sure what that means, but uh, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, which is so fitting that the Holy Spirit would choose to move in our service. And we hope that he will move in many, many ways in our services. I want to start off with a video that kind of encapsulates where all this happened in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. The disciples had been told by Jesus that after he was gone, something special was going to come. He actually said, I wish I could be here on earth with you, but something better is coming. Can you imagine him saying that? What would be better than having Jesus right here? I mean, if he appeared right here in our service. Wouldn't that be amazing? And we could talk to him, we could tell you and all that kind of stuff, you know. The only problem is right now, Sunday morning across the United States, there's probably, <coughs> I don't know, <coughs> 100,000 churches, and he chose us. <coughs> Our turn comes up in 100,000 weeks. <coughs> you go your lifetime, and, you know, he could only be in one spot at one time. But he said, it's better that I send the counselor, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, because when he comes, lots of cool things are going to happen. Watch this video. It was seven weeks after Jesus the Messiah was crucified and rose from the grave. Forty days he stayed with us, teaching us about God's kingdom, preparing us for what was to come. We watched as he ascended into heaven. Now we would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. But we would not be alone, for soon he said a gift was coming. The Spirit of God would make his home in our hearts, bringing wisdom, power, and love. Then, as we were gathered on the day of Pentecost, suddenly we heard a sound like the rushing wind. Out of nowhere appeared tongues of fire descending on each of us. It was incredible to behold. We were filled with the Holy Spirit. God was preparing us because the city was filled with devout men from every nation under heaven. They gathered to hear us preach because each man could understand us in his own language and they were amazed. By the power of the Spirit, we were able to tell them the good news about Jesus Christ in their native tongues. That day, 3,000 of them repented and were baptized. None of us had ever done anything like it in our lives. The Holy Spirit is God's free gift for all who come to believe in Him. You too, by the power of the Spirit, can accomplish great things that you would never imagine yourself capable of. In the Spirit we have hope, light, comfort, peace, love, and life. My friend, don't let this powerful gift remain dormant in your life. Listen to it, learn from it, and step out in faith. So this morning we're going to talk a bit about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to answer three questions that I get asked a lot. And I do that for several reasons. One, if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, I want you to learn about that. Number two, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, I hope that you'll be able to articulate it to your loved ones, your kids, your grandkids, your friends, your neighbors, people who are interested in it, in a way that's clear and simple. As a children's pastor, we've had to live our lives making things clear and simple, so hopefully that'll come across today. And last thing, we're going to talk about the power that comes with it, and uh, so that's where we're going today. Five things to know real simple about the Holy Spirit is, first, it's free for every Christian. Put your thumb up and say, free for every Christian. 
You don't earn it. You don't have to be good enough for it. Okay? It's not because you've got to be such a good Christian, you now deserve this. Nope, it's free. Uh, but you have to be a Christian. Does it save you? No, you're already a Christian. Okay? Number two, um, <clears throat> it's free for every Christian. Number two, it makes you stronger. Okay? That's the purpose. Not better, stronger. Number three, you get it by asking for it. Have people lived their whole Christian lives never got it? Yes. Why? They never asked for it. God's not forcing himself upon anyone. He's a gentleman. Number four, you receive, you know you receive it because you speak in tongues. Why? That's what happened in the Bible over and over and over again. That's what happened. So that's the sign. That's the evidence. And number five, um, there's power that goes with it. Once you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, there is a power available to Christians. And oftentimes Christians don't even know about that power. Don't kind of know how to use it. Don't know why it's there, how to get it, what God intends. I hope to cover some of that with you today. All right. But first of all, the first question is, why do we need the Holy Spirit? John 16, 13. There's several verses in the Bible that say to the disciples, once the Holy Spirit comes, this is going to happen. So when it tells us today, when the Holy Spirit comes, um, this is going to happen. Now, I'm going to switch that in case they didn't because we're going to have them do it. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. Okay? So there is a guidance for Christians that is greater after you've been filled with the Holy Spirit than before you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need guidance for all kinds of things from where to move or who to marry or what job to take or any other decision you can possibly imagine, the Holy Spirit is there to guide you. And specifically into all truth, specifically in a society today when they're bent on confusing you. There are all sorts of groups out there that are intent on confusing you and confusing the next generation. Recently I came across a website, Atheists for Kids designed to teach our kids there is no God, right? They're trying to, to confuse. It's anti-Bible, anti-Christian, anti-church, anti-parents, anti-police, anti-authority. That's the world we live in. They're trying to confuse. So how much more do we need the Holy Spirit who's going to guide us? Now, the next one says John 14, 26. It says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, who my Father will send, in my name, he will teach you all things. Now, guidance and teaching are very similar, but the Bible says both of them. So it's like a coach and a professor. The coach is there to guide you, show you how to hold that bat. The teacher's there to, to fill your head with knowledge, to help you grow and articulate your faith. And Jesus is telling the disciples, now remember, they've just been following him around. They're fishermen. And he's telling them, just wait, because there's, there's more coming. Now, just think about Peter. Peter was big, brash, and bold, except that when Jesus gets arrested, he runs and hides, right? But a, a month or so later, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's the preacher of the bunch. He stands up in front of multitudes and begins to preach from his vast knowledge of fish, I imagine the Holy Spirit had a quick learning curve to take Peter through, right? Does that mean we don't study? No. It just says that God promises to help us. 
Number three, but you know the Holy Spirit, John 14, 17, B. But you know the Holy Spirit, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, why am I showing you this verse? Because I had people say, well, don't you have the Holy Spirit? Doesn't he guide you and instruct you and help you before you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. We all have brothers and sisters in the faith that aren't filled with the Spirit, that are godly men and women of God. They do have a teaching, a guidance, an instruction from the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said here, the Holy Spirit you got lives with you, but it will be in you. He's saying what you got now isn't all of it. That's what he's basically saying. Was the Holy Spirit, these disciples went out and did miracles on the on behalf of Christ, right? But there were also times when they couldn't do those miracles. They didn't have enough power. Okay? Did you know in the New Testament, after they're filled with the Holy Spirit, we don't have any record of them ever not being able to do it. There's an additional power, additional teaching. That's what Jesus was trying to say. Now, years ago when I was young, which is a lot of years ago now, somebody was preaching and they said, if you put a poker in the fire, the fire's in the poker. But if you leave the poker in the fire long enough, take it out, now the fire is in the poker. Instead of the poker being in the fire, now the fire's in the poker. And he said, when you're with the Holy Spirit enough, and he fills you with the Spirit, not only are you with the Spirit, now wherever you go, there's a spirit of power with you. That's the analogy I heard once that made a lot of sense to me. But if somebody says the Holy Spirit guides me, yes, he does. But there's more. There's an, a greater blessing that's coming. Next one, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We hear that's a lot. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. We don't hear a lot about what that power is. So that's going to be our third question today. I want to talk a little more about how that power works on behalf of Christians. We see it happen in the Bible. Peter and John are walking along. Now they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Layman comes up asking for money. And Peter and John, like, look at each other and go, well, here goes. Right? They hadn't planned on doing a healing service. They were just going to the temple, okay? And the man comes up asking for money. He wasn't even asking to be healed. He just came up and said, help me. Give me some money. And they heard, help me. And then they take a deep breath and they say, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And he does. And he was amazed. And they look at each other and they were amazed. Because they were doing what Jesus had done. See? It's one of those powerful gifts that we're going to talk about. Power. Also, Acts 4.31. After they were prayed, they all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. When they were filled with the Spirit, suddenly Christians had more boldness. I think we can let that one slide away from us, too, if, we, if we're not careful. Okay? Boldness. There's a boldness that comes with it. There's a boldness that will allow us to, to, to I'm, I'm a quiet person. God wants you to be noisy today. He wants you to speak to someone today. He wants you to speak up today. He wants you to ask a question today. It may happen as simple as you seeing a tear in a waitress's eye. And the Holy Spirit wants you to be bold enough 
In some cases, we'll talk about it at the end again. In some cases, that's a word of knowledge where God says, I want you to talk to your, your, your server today. She's having a trouble. You didn't see this, the tear in her eye. But God saw the tear in her eye. See? Boldness. And then finally, the next one, Romans 8, 26, 27, prayer. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. These groans, these tongues, these words that come out of your, these are led by the Spirit because you're oftentimes you don't know how to pray. We all face that at times. Maybe you get a bit of a, you know, pray for mom. Something happened. What? I don't know. That's all I got. Pray for mom. See? Pray for the, and that's all we got. But we can pray in tongues. Because the Spirit can help us in our weakness. When we don't know how to pray, the Spirit himself will intercede for us with words, with groans that words cannot express. The Holy Spirit will speak through us and pray through us. So when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a guidance, there's a teaching, there's a power, there's a boldness, there's a spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, there's a prayer language. Prayer is an interesting thing because God says, if you pray, I will answer. And then the Bible says there's times we don't know how to pray. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, I know what needs, you pray, I know what needs to happen. I'll ask the Father, the Father will answer it, and then the miracle will happen. It's like this weird kind of tag team, uh, all-star wrestling, you know. Uh, Tag the Holy Spirit, he's going to go get the Father. That's what it kind of says here. God says prayer is important. It also says there's times we don't know how to pray. And then the Bible says, but the Holy Spirit does know how to pray. So if you pray, the Holy Spirit will take that pray, translate that into something. Father, I don't know. I didn't make this stuff up. I'm just giving you an idea of what somehow happens in heaven. Because God says we're, we're two or three or more gathered. It's effective. God says, if you pray, I will answer. If you'll pray in the name of Jesus, I will answer. But there's also something about specific prayers. <clears throat> So why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because God wants us to be as effective as possible. And he wants us to live for God the rest of our lives. Now take the question away from what I just said and then ask it this way. Why would God want a teenager to be filled with the Holy Spirit? So a teenager would have guidance. So a teenager would have a special teaching that comes from God. So a teenager would have enough boldness to stand up and say, no, that's not right. No, I, I, I'm not going to do that. So a teenager would have a power within them to say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for a miracle. Or a teenager would have the potential to pray through his problems because he prays in the... He can go to the Father. He can pray in the Holy Spirit. I got filled with the Holy Spirit when I was 12 years old. I can pray. I was praying this morning in the sanctuary. It's as fresh today as it was all those years ago. It's an amazing thing. It's for any age, young or old. I made the mistake one time. Mary knows this story. Years ago, I made the mistake of deciding that a child was too young. 
Mary and I were speaking on a Monday night at a revival. We were teaching the kids on the Holy Spirit, and we had gone through our teaching. We had eloquently taught these kids about the Holy Spirit. We're coming to that point where we're going to invite them to the altar and give them an opportunity. The door opens, and some hand pushes a five-year-old into the room. Because we had kids grade school, and then there was a preschool room. But the five-year-old was kind of too old for preschooler, they thought. So they opened the door, and this hand pushed this boy in. And as I'm saying, who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And he comes in, I do, I do. This is the pastor's son, by the way. So I did the only thing a good children's pastor should do. I I wanted him, I let him pray too. Come right over here. We got a spot in the corner for you. Right over here. Okay. Right over here. And I need you two to come over here and pray for him, please. And then I walked back over here to the ones I had prepared. You have any idea what lesson God was trying to teach me that day? Yeah. So I'm over here talking to these, starting to pray. They're all starting to ask God to, and I feel like the Holy Spirit says this word to me. He says, I didn't hear him say, look over there. It was understood in the, and so I look over there and here's this five-year-old, two hands in the air, Tears coming out his cheeks. The two people I had praying for him had stopped praying. They were both going, you know, and I realized he was about to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I knew he needed me. So I went over this way, but I didn't get there in time. He starts speaking in tongues. He didn't need me at all, by the way. And when I get over to him, he's speaking in a beautiful prayer language. And then I hear an echo on the other side of the room as all of those people got filled with the Holy Spirit. And God was letting me know, first of all, I don't need you. And second of all, don't ever say somebody isn't ready for it. Because it's God's gift. It's a wonderful gift for each of us. Now, I've got a video prepared that we usually show our kids. So it's a bit humorous. So humor me and watch this video about the Holy Spirit. Hey, dude, what you doing on Saturday? I don't know. Nothing, I guess. Cool, because Josh's parents are out of town, and he's throwing this sick party with college girls, man. College girls. It's going to be awesome. You're going, right? The Holy Spirit, invisible to the unbelieving world. No, man. Thanks anyways. Convicting the world of sin and righteousness. You guys think that's dirty? Listen to this one. An old prospector walks into a bar. I gotta go. The Spirit reminds us of all of Jesus' teachings. I just don't get this verse. Oh. Jesus said of the Spirit, he will testify about me. Because the Bible says, I'm the vine and you are the, the, oh man, what is it? The branches. Oh, okay. A faithful guide steering us through difficult decisions. The Spirit walks with us through good times and bad. So you're a Christian? 
Uh, yeah. But that's only because you grew up in a Christian home. Actually, it's because I've seen firsthand what he's done in my life. Not only that, but the Bible has more evidence to support it than any other ancient document. I didn't know that. Me either. The Hebrew word used to describe the Holy Spirit meant one who comes alongside. Mr. Jones. Encouraging us and providing us with wise counsel, the Holy Spirit walking with you day by day. There are certain liberties the authors took with that video. <laughs> But isn't that amazing, though, that that's the, is that what we want for our young people? Is that what we want for our lives? Yes. We want every bit of help and guidance and support that we can get to them. Some of your kids and your grandkids aren't filled with the Holy Spirit. Do they see it in your life so powerfully that they want it? Are you so excited about it that they want what you have? Because they're not just going to ask for it. They have to first feel like it's something that would benefit their life. So I kind of want to point you in that direction. The second question I want to talk about is um, how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay. First of all, the Bible says in Acts 1-4, wait for the gift my Father promised. Okay. It doesn't say how long we have to wait, but it's something we wait Number two, Luke 24, 49, he told the disciples, stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now, anytime the Bible uses these, these are object lessons. Clothed means that, that, that there's going to be something put upon you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there's something put upon you. Later on in Ephesians, it starts talking about the armor of God, a helmet. Of salvation. I don't know what that is exactly. The Bible doesn't say, but it's something. The belt of truth. I don't know what that is exactly, how to teach on that. I can guess, but it's something, right? The shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness. Another piece you actually put on, the breastplate of righteousness. It's a piece of armor. It's a piece of clothing that God wants to put upon our kids, put upon our lives, put upon us. And it evidently takes some time because it's there's to stay in the city. In that first video, as you saw right at the very beginning, it says the disciples were together praying. They were staying. They were waiting. They were expecting God to do something powerful in our lives. That's part of it. It's not a pill that you can hand out, take, and, then, and happen. And it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a journey where God wants you to be close with him, searching for more of him, desiring more of him, and then it happens. The best verse I can find that actually tells us about it is found in Luke chapter 11. Now, as I read this one, most of you have prayed this prayer. You have said, God, uh, it says here, if I ask, it will be given to you. I need a job. You'll seek, you will find. God, I need a better job. God, knock and the door will be open. God, I need a spouse. I need this. I need that. We use this for everything. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. This verse talks about 
spending time asking, seeking, knocking. He who receives, uh, <clears throat> for everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, the door will be open. And then we stop. And it says, how much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask, who seek, and who knock? We actually miss Pastor's point of his message. He's leading up to how do you get the Holy Spirit? You ask. It'll be given to you. You seek. You'll find it. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks for the Holy Spirit receives the Holy Spirit. He who seeks for the Holy Spirit finds the Holy Spirit. And to him who knocks for the Holy Spirit, the door will be opened to him. Doesn't that change that verse? So I had a real ranger leader. I got to go to powwow here recently. Where are those guys at I got to powwow with? There they are in the very back. Yeah, okay. Those guys work really, really hard. Bless those boys. They do a lot of good work. I'm Thank you for what you do. I had a real ranger leader come up to me one time, and I was teaching, and he said, well, I've been asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit for 17 years, still haven't got filled. I said, really, last night when you prayed, you know, how did it go? You said, God, well, I didn't pray last night. I said, well, this week when you prayed, you said, God, I went, no, I didn't pray this week. And I said, well, this month when you prayed, did you pray this month? I'm not sure. What's your point? I said, you've been 17 years, you've been telling God, well, yeah, I'll take the Holy Spirit, sure. But that's not seeking. That's not knocking or pounding. And I said, every night for the next 30 days, I want you to spend it before you go to bed. I want you to spend time asking God to be filled. Day 17, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. He said he was sitting in front of a campfire. Now, that sounds anointed, doesn't it, brother? Yeah in front of a campfire, singing some songs, and then he realized he'd lost the words, and he was singing, and it wasn't the words to the song as he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. God is his precious gift that he's prepared for Christians, and he wants them to seek for it, ask for it. That's why he told the disciples, stay here and wait, and they did. I forget exactly how many days they were there. Some probably come, some come and went. And then he fills them with the Holy Spirit. There's a process. When we go to camp, our goal is to get those kids filled with the Holy Spirit at camp, but not if it's not of the Holy Spirit. We tell the kids, you may get filled when you go home. I have so many testimonies of kids who went home, got filled with the Holy Spirit in front of their parents who were Baptists. Think about it. If a child came home from camp filled with the Holy Spirit explaining to mom and dad what happened, that's one thing. If the child comes home to the mom and dad said, Mom and dad, would you pray for me? And it happens. You see how God just made that nuance a little bit better? We've had kids come home from the Holy the camp, get filled with the Holy Spirit Sunday night at the altar. And the whole church is celebrating because it happened right here. God has a reason for that. A lot of our quiet kids don't get filled at the altar. They get filled in their beds because they get close to God when they're absolutely alone. Other people get close to God in the midst of a group. They feed on the energy of the group. Everybody's different. But God has a blessed gift 
for each of us called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. My final point, question, is what kind of power do Christians receive? It's found in, in Corinthians chapter 12, but let me start with this verse. Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. It says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. If there's one verse I think Pentecostal Christians skip over, it's this verse that says we're supposed to ask for power. Sometimes you don't ask because you're afraid God's going to make you stand up in front of the church and speak a prophetic word. But he never asks you to do something you're not ready for. The first time I ever stood up in front of a group and spoke a prophetic word, the group consisted of me and one other person. And the word was for that person. So who else was going to give the word, right? He never asks you to do something that you're not ready to do. And he doesn't start off with those gifts that are kind of scary to do. We get to watch kids as they get filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's what 2 Corinthians 12, it lists them. The gifts of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different tongues, interpretation of tongues. Okay? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I at least want to let you know about them because you need to be aware of them because God may want to use you. All right? The first one is the gift of wisdom. We saw that gift in operation a moment ago. That's when you don't know exactly, you hadn't prepared, someone asks you a question, and you give this eloquent answer that surprises even you. It looks kind of like this. Can we play that video one more time? It looks kind of like this. So you're a Christian? Uh, yeah. But that's only because you grew up in a Christian home. Actually, it's because I've seen firsthand what he's done in my life. Not only that, but the Bible has more evidence to support it than any other ancient document. I didn't know that. Me either. The Hebrew word used to describe the Holy Spirit. That's the gift of wisdom in operation. The Bible says when you don't worry about what you're going to say, be fun principalities and powers, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say when you get up to speak. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't you want your kids to be filled with the Holy Spirit in junior high, high school, wherever it is, where some teacher says, how do you know you're a Christian? And the child says, well, the Bible talks about healing, and I pray for my grandpa who was going to not die. The doctor said he wouldn't live, and, and then, then, then the doctor says, not sure what happened, but the cancer was there, or the cancer was gone, because we prayed for my grandpa. That was 12 years ago. My grandpa, he's still living today, and the, and the Bible says there's healing, and the Bible says that's going to happen, and I, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I prayed, and it happened to me, and, then, and I, I mean, the Bible, don't you? Can you see how that gift might come in handy? See? When God gives you the right words to say, and I don't mean it like that, but it may also be the kind of words when somebody is, when I was a young pastor, I had graduated from college, I'm 21, now I'm 22, and I get a suicide call. How do you handle that? Well, first of all, it happened to me with the word of knowledge. Because God said he won't kill himself if he has an appointment tomorrow. 
And I said, can you come into my office tomorrow at 9 o'clock and we'll talk? Uh, yeah. Are you free? Uh, yeah, I am. Now, remember, he's got a gun. And I hung up the phone saying, God, did I say the wrong thing? Except I had this word in my brain that said he won't kill himself if he has an appointment tomorrow. And the next day he comes and we talk. Last I knew he went off to Bible school. See, God will give you the gifts. Knowledge is when you have words about something you have no way of knowing. Happens with our kids that are Pentecostal oftentimes. They will say, go pray for your teacher today. Your teacher's sick and no one knows. Imagine a little eight-year-old coming up to a teacher and saying, God told me I'm supposed to pray for you because you're sick and the teacher starts to burst out in tears knowing that God knows her need. See? These are the gifts we're supposed to desire. God, if you want to tell me a word to act upon, I'm available. Say it with me. I'm available. Say it again. I'm available. He can send you on assignment. He just gives you a word. It's usually a very simple word. And then you act. He could say, turn the car around. There's somebody behind you who needs a ride. He could do that. See, it doesn't usually happen like, you know, you, you just see a need. And it's, it's usually a surprise to you. One little girl, she's go home. Clean the, clean the house. Your mom's had a bad day. Tell her it's going to be okay. She gets home. She starts cleaning her house, and she's got the vacuum going. And mom comes in and is shocked because that's a miracle. Why are you vacuuming? And the girl bursts out in tears and says, Mom, God said you had a bad day, but it's going to be okay. And they had this prayer time. That's what it means to be a Pentecostal kid. Or Pentecostal adult. So knowledge is like the, one of the first ones that seems to happen. God gives you a little design tidbit to act upon. You might be sitting there, you and your wife, at a, a restaurant, and God says, your waitress, she's going to need a ride. And you're like, what? And then you walk up, you notice a tear in her eye. and said, what, what, what's the matter? She says, ah, I'm late again. My car broke down. It's like a mile from here. See how God works? God cares about that lady. And your husband speaks up and says, give me the keys. We'll go jump the thing. We're going to get that thing fixed, and we'll try. What time do you get off? And instead of a ride, he brings the ride to her. They get the car fixed. You don't think God isn't going to move in that situation? That's what knowledge and wisdom is. Faith, healing, and miracles kind of tend to be all this in the same realm. Sometimes it's a move of faith. You just know God wants to do something. You just have faith. It's kind of mixed with healing. Miracles is like the things that aren't healing. There's, you start looking in the Bible, you find these various situations when these sorts of things happen. But God will use you. When someone in our church needs healing, it may be that someone in the pew has a gift of healing ready to be laid upon that person. That's what the Bible's saying. But it first happens with you saying, God, use me. 
I want these gifts in my life. I know every time I start preaching on this, I start asking him again because I feel convicted over my own message. And then he starts using me more. A prophecy can be written. God can give you a prophecy to deliver to to someone. Hey, God said, he just told me this, and you read it. It's like God just answered your prayer. What, what do I do? And God brings this unknown prophecy to you. Prophecy has this ability to give us a word from the Lord. Now, we still judge it. It's the one gift that God says we have to judge. Discerning of spirits. Now, we tend to think of this as being when, when, when there's a demon in the midst. But I believe the day there can be discerning of spirits when you get an email. And before you click it, the spirit says no. Right there. It's happened to me more than once. Don't, don't open that. It could be that there's a filthy picture waiting for there, and once you accidentally see it, you've got to get it out of your mind. Maybe that there's something there that's going to get into your computer and destroy your computer. Discerning of spirits can happen with you walking in and then realizing that person coming to where you want nothing to do with that person. It could happen in your business, and God's telling you very clearly have nothing to do with that person. Discerning of spirits. It's needed in our society today. It's needed in your life. God, please give me. I desire these gifts. I need them. And tongues and interpretation of tongues. We're more familiar with that. Tongues is when you have a prophecy, only it's in tongues, and then there's an interpretation that follows. Again, gifts of the Spirit that happen quite regularly. If I had time, I'd tell you more about all the different times in my life when those kinds of things have happened. But God wants us to seek Him. Just bow your heads and close your eyes with me. First of all, if you're saved today and you're filled with the Holy Spirit today, then just ignore the rest of what I'm saying and just start asking God. Say, God, I desire these gifts in my life. Just start talking. Now, if you're here today and by chance you have never been a Christian, you have, this, this, this message might very well have gone over your head a bit. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's so simple. And I will lead you in a prayer that you basically just giving your life to Jesus and asking Him to guide you the rest of your life. If you're here today, you've never asked Christ to be your Savior. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. If you do, then I will pray that prayer and ask you to pray it with me. I didn't want to just continue on with a final message without giving you this opportunity. You might have slipped in this room. You might have been here for a while, coming and going in this church. But if you've never asked Christ to be your Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. And secondly, if you've never been filled with the Spirit, I want you to begin to ask God to fill you. And as we conclude in a moment, I'll have you come forward if you want to have prayer. But it's a matter of, of asking and seeking and knocking. Sometimes it happens quick. Sometimes it takes a day or a week. But if you seek God, He has His gift for you. But if you're here and you never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, just raise your hand. 
I don't know if there'll be someone in here. I know most of the people in here. But if there is, I'm looking in the balcony as well. If there is anyone, just raise your hand. So I don't know. I'll pause the service so we can pray for you. And for those of you that have not been filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to give you opportunity if you'd like to pray. And for those of you that have loved ones that you feel like need to be saved, need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, as we stand in a moment, I'm going to ask you to just take some time to pray for them right here in our service. Ask God to reach them, fill them, empower them, hold them tight. The enemy is trying to get our the next generation. Why don't you stand to your feet if you would. Is there anyone here that that wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit that hasn't? I'd like to know. I'd like to see your hand and know how to proceed from this point. Thank you. Some of you may have have to go, but others of you may want to pray. I saw one hand. Are there any other hands of people who want to pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit either now or in the future? I just see the one. All right, so we're going to pray together in just a moment with him. Let's take a moment. I'm going to have this worship team sing a song here in just a moment. Just take a moment. Let's begin to pray. Talk to God about this issue. God, I want you in my life. I want more power in my life. I want these gifts to operate in my life. I desire. I want my life to be usable like you. I want you to be able to bless people through me. I want these gifts to operate through me. I want those around me to sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. God, I don't want to be business as normal as usual. I don't want to be a Christian that just shows up at church on Sunday. Throughout the week, I want to be able to bless people, point them towards you, lay hands on the sick and see God heal them. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Now, Father, I pray this day as we close this service. I pray, God. (laughs) May we walk out of here with a fresh touch of your power. Lord, may this day, this week be different. May we hear your voice as you give us this instruction, an insight, a direction. Lord, when we have opportunity to speak, bless our mouths with wisdom we didn't even know was there. And Lord, may we be a powerful spiritual impact on our families, our neighbors, our workmates, and people we come in contact with as we live our lives full of the Holy Spirit.